This is AWLS, Podcasts on Wilderness Medicine, from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Hi, this is Richard Ingebretson from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Today we're going to talk about a case uh, that happened uh, in the wilderness, in the backcountry, on the Colorado River uh, in Utah. If you haven't seen the Colorado River, it's really beautiful. It starts headwaters up in uh, the state of Colorado and forms uh, the beautiful canyons as you come out of Colorado into Utah. It meets up with the Green River, and right where it meets the Green River becomes a very powerful force in the Red Rock country of central Utah. The canyon that is formed by those two rivers is called Cataract Canyon. Cataract was named by John Wesley Powell because he couldn't see his way down the river because of the water in his eyes, and he called them cataracts, which is a name that kind of sticks uh, to this day. It's a really beautiful canyon, uh, and it's a difficult canyon to run from a perspective of river runners for a number of reasons. One, it's extremely uh, hot weather normally. Uh, at Even at low flows, the rapids are uh, can be challenging. And at high flows, it is arguably the roughest white water in the world uh, that is run by commercial outfitters and, and private people. One of the problems uh, with Cataract Canyon uh, is the Colorado River itself. The river doesn't flow very fast. There's a fair amount of water, uh, but it just doesn't move very quickly. And that's because the elevation drop is about two feet per mile. Now, if you compare that with other western rivers in the United States that can go up to 30 feet per mile, mile 40 feet per mile up in uh, Idaho, and um, uh, a lot of rivers around the world go uh, much uh, faster than that, this just doesn't flow very much, so moving down the river is a challenge. The other challenge is that when uh, there's a big snowpack in uh, northern Utah, Wyoming, and Colorado, the Colorado River gets very, very big, and it's very hard uh, to uh, raft rapids uh, but for the person who wants to just float the river and see beautiful scenery and do great hikes, the Colorado River is gorgeous through Cataract Canyon. Uh, once you get into the rapids, you have to start uh, managing uh, your uh, trip very carefully because the rapids can be very big. Uh, the story we're going to tell you took place in uh, uh, June of a year where the water was fairly high. There had been a big snowpack in Colorado and uh, the water was running at what they uh, measured at about 47,500 cubic feet per second. And that's a, a pretty amount, a big amount of water if you consider that a lot of creeks are running at 1,000 cubic feet per second or 500 cubic feet per second. Remember, there's about 7 gallons in a cubic foot, so if you're up at uh, you know, 50,000 cubic feet of water, that is a lot of water moving, and it's pretty powerful. This uh, trip was a commercial group uh, that uh, a bunch of people had gone on. The patient's name, we're going to name Lucy, for no other reason than uh, just to protect her actual identity. Uh, Lucy was a 37-year-old female who came down with her husband. There were a number of doctors on this river trip, and that's how they got together uh, to go run the trip. As I said, it was in the middle of June, and the uh, water was high. Uh, but the outfitters knew what they were doing, and as they got down past the slow-moving section where the Green River comes in and Cataract Canyon started, the people felt confident with the river guides. The boats were about uh, 35 feet long, and they're motorized, and they're able to uprun the river and, and provide people with a lot of fun. But at this water level, uh, it's moving really fast. The temperature was very hot out. They started at about 10 o'clock in the morning, and by the time they got down to the rapids that we're going to talk about, the temperature of the air was above uh, 
90 degrees. The water was runoff water and very fast, very furious. Small logs and uh, little tiny trees and bushes were floating in the water as the river rose. It carried away the debris down the river. Well, everything seemed to be going well until they got to the section of the river that is pretty ferocious. As I said, the Colorado River drops about two feet per mile, but at one section, all through Cataract Canyon, the the river uh, drops pretty quickly. But when you get to a section of river called uh, the the Big Drops, there are three river uh, rapids in succession where the river drops to over uh, 20 feet per mile in about a little over a quarter of a mile. At high water, those rapids kind of blend together, and then at really high water, they just become one huge maelstrom. Well, they got to the first of the Big Drops, which... uh, they ran quite successfully. It's the easiest of the three drops to run. There are perils on either side of the rapid, and they went down the middle and were able to pull over on the left shore just above Big Drop 2, which is considered the level they went, the most fearsome of the three rapids. And they pulled over to scout uh, Big Drop 2 to see the correct way to run it. There were two boats uh, that were in the commercial outfitter, and Lucy was on the second boat. When they pulled over, uh, Lucy was not uh, responding well to the friends and to her husband. Uh, they stood her up and tried to walk her off the boat. And as they got near to the end of the boat, she collapsed. And they carried her off the boat and laid her on the ground near the wet sand. The reason they put her in the wet sand is because the sun had been so hot, the sand on the beach was too hot to touch. If it if it flipped up on the legs, it, it was uh, uh, burning. So they laid her uh, closer to the wet sand, not in the wet sand, but to a place that was a bit cooler. And by the time they got her to the ground, Lucy was basically unresponsive. She was uh, certainly uh, significantly uptunded at that point. Well, the people gathered, and there was a number of doctors there, all of which tried to diagnose her and try to figure out what's going on. Uh, the uh, the doctor who had organized it ordered everybody away, and, and he and the river guide then tried to diagnose why Lucy was unconscious. The only thing that that, uh, that I've told you so far that might give you a clue as to what was going on was that it's an extremely hot day, uh, that there is uh, uh, very fast water from runoff water. There are small little logs uh, in the water that potentially could have come up and hit her. Uh, her husband said that she was a diabetic, and uh, it was pretty scary as it got down to this point. So uh, with all of those clues in your mind, you have to start thinking, uh, what was the reason uh, that she, uh, Lucy was laying on the beach uh, virtually unconscious at this point? When they examined her, they couldn't see any trauma on her body, and nobody recalled a log or a small tree branch hitting them, so they quickly uh, decided to rule that out as a possibility. Uh, that left uh, her diabetes uh, coming full scale, but she had been talking on the raft all morning, and her husband said she had taken appropriate actions with her insulin that day and had eaten appropriately and didn't think that it was the diabetes, although the excitement of the river and the cold weather may have played a role, uh, or the cold water may have played a role in that, also the heat. So as you start to think about what, what it was that made Lucy unconscious, start re- looking at the remaining reasons. Now, the two primary things that I have said is that there were, the water now is cold and the air temperature is hot. And that's going to point us into the direction. What was interesting, um, that the people on the uh, boats that gathered around her suspected almost immediately what it was, even though the temperature was uh, of the air was above 90 degrees, uh, moving quickly down the uh, river and uh, having cold water splash on everybody 
made everybody very cold. So getting off the, the boat into the uh, hot, warmer climate of the beach was much uh, desirable for these people because then they could start to warm up and scout the rapid. So they uh, assumed that it was either going to be hyperthermia, that she had gotten too hot, but more likely she was too cold. So with all the doctors and medical people on the trip, they looked to see if somebody had a cold temperature thermometer. Now, the reason you have to, have to look for a cold temperature thermometer is because thermometers are made to measure people whose temperature is above body temperature, not typically that they go below it. So when you go into the back country of the wilderness, it's important that you take a thermometer that will measure temperatures as they go down. Well, nobody had one, except, that is, the river guide. The river guide and the river kit had a cold temperature thermometer. Uh, the doctor in charge took a rectal temperature, which was what this was designed to do, and her temperature was just above 94 degrees uh, on the Fahrenheit scale. She was severely hypothermic, of all things. And it's not clear why she had a reaction, although they assumed that it was from the diabetes. So they moved her closer up onto the beach where the sand was warmer and later in the hot sun and uh, tried to warm her up. What was curious about the rewarming of Lucy was that it took several hours to warm her to where she was able to walk, stand up, and to communicate. They got her into warm clothing, and um, uh, when she started to stand up, she said that as she got down the rapid, she became so cold uh, that she couldn't communicate, and finally she just passed out. So this is a curious case, and let me just go over some of the results of it. So here is a lady who is a diabetic on a hot day in the desert, the Red Rock Desert of central Utah, that developed hypothermia on a river trip. And this is a, a teaching method, a point, because you can become hypothermic even if it's a hot day. The other thing uh, that we point out is that you must put uh, 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 hypothermia in any of the possibilities of why someone is abtunded. Uh, the other thing that's that you need to point out is that it took hours really to warm her back up. Some of that may be due to her diabetes, but the temperature was very hot. She warmed up quickly, but she didn't become uh, you know, aware then and strong enough where she could run the rest of the rapids uh, on her own for uh, several hours. And then she felt comfortable uh, uh, doing that. Remember to carry a cold temperature thermometer in your first aid kit. If you're listening to this and uh, you find someone who's hypothermic, a regular thermometer is not going to work. Uh, uh, they are really just designed to go uh, uh, to measure temperatures that are hotter than the human body, uh, especially the surface temperature ones, because, uh, if you use those, because uh, they measure the skin temperature, they don't measure the core temperature. So make sure you have a, a cold temperature thermometer uh, that will also measure uh, hyperthermia, but also measure, measure hypothermia. And finally, as this case ends, I want to remind people the way you uh, evaluate anybody, of course, is the MARCH protocol beginning with massive hemorrhage, airway with C-spine, respiration, circulation, and then make a decision at that point uh, whether they're uh, warm or cold, whether they're safe, and whether you're going to have to evacuate them or not, or whether they can continue on with the trip. And that is the March protocol. But for an uptunded patient, um, uh, medical professionals use AEIOU tips. Some of the guides continue to use uh, OPQRST. Medical people, for some reason, have moved uh, for the uh, AEIOU tips for altered mental status checklist. And I'm just going to review those so that you can uh, know them. We For wilderness medicine, and really for any evaluation, you need to add these. But A stands for allergies, for allergic reaction, and altitude can cause obtundation. 
Uh, e is environment or epilepsy, and that's what she had was the environment. She was cold, and you have to consider that. So AE is environment and ep epilepsy. I is infection. O would be overdose. U would be the underdose or forgetting to take medicines. And O, overdose, could, could be considered to be water. O, overdose, U, underdose. T would be trauma, which in her case was a possibility if she had been hit by something or toxins if she'd been exposed to something in the wilderness, so we had toxins. I stands for insulin, meaning diabetes. P stands for psychological disorders, which could have been a problem with Lucy because of, of um, a conversion reaction or something frightening and hurt. She didn't want to continue. And although they considered that, they ruled it out quickly. And finally, S for stroke, A-E-I-O-U tips. Well, that ends this interesting case in this podcast. Again, uh, thank you for listening. <laughs>